0: Hello and welcome to the Redeployable Podcast. Today we have a special guest, Ian Hogg, who is a mine clearance diving officer in the Royal Navy before leaving the forces to become a salesperson at Xerox. He spent the last 30 years building a number of successful businesses and is now the chairman of the WorkTech Group who are in the HR tech space. I hope you enjoy the podcast and please leave us a five-star review. An officer in the navy, you're a mine clearance diver, and you left in 1990. And you know we've talked about my history going into sell photocopies from being an aircraft engineer for a competitor of Xerox, where you you originally went. A lot of people would see that move as being like a crazy move going to sell photocopies from being a mine clearance diving officer. What was your thought process around that?
1: I think you know, so 1990, the you know the Berlin Wall had just come down. They were about to start the single market, and I was sort of convinced I wanted to be in business, okay, and I wanted to you know career in business, but I didn't know much about it, if if I'm honest. And Xerox was a you know was a, when I did the research, they were offering me training in sales, and you know, I, I I did the research and I thought, yeah, that that's that's a good place to start in business. The other thing is is actually. I was quite well paid and, you know, as a, as a Lieutenant clearance diver, and I had a mortgage and some kids and I wanted some bills to pay. And I find this now I I look at service leavers. Now they are actually quite well paid. They probably complain they're not. And when you go out into Civvy street, what you find is people will pay you for experience or skills. And I had, I had some experience and skills, but you know, nobody wanted bombs disposed of, or, you know, navigation of ships unless you weren't going to commerce, so they'll also pay you if you deliver results. But you you have to share some of that risk. So the way I could earn what I wanted to earn to pay my mortgage was going to sales, and and I you know I I, I without being too I was pretty good at it, you know, and uh, and I did well, and I took all the skills I'd learned from the navy, and I and I used them at Xerox.
0: And what was the biggest learning then selling photocopies? Because I know from my own experience what I learned from eighteen months at record selling. You know, copiers knock knocking on doors and you know trying to sell a commodity, I guess in london. what was what was your biggest takeaway in that two-
1: year period? Well, just having to deal with rejection. I mean if you think about it, you know I was so you know, you're an officer in the Navy. You know, people call you sir, you know, whereas when you're a photocopy salesman, they don't. And I know you've been through that. You know, you're getting some rejection, and that that was probably the biggest learning. And the other one was not being so damn naive. You know, so you you come out of the forces and you don't even know what money is. You've never dealt with it. You're a bit sort of embarrassed to talk about it. You have to get past that. But they're they're not difficult things. And I think with Xerox is support. You know, they they had a good program fairly early on for ex service levers and for training people. You know, the training was excellent. The support was excellent, and, and you know, I, I was pleased I went there.
0: And was that like a, a big a big factor? And you're saying the training was excellent, and and that was a you know the support that they gave you. Like how much emphasis do you put on that now? Because obviously you're running your own businesses and around the training when you bring new people in you know, what was it that they provided that was excellent and helped you along the way?
1: So so we were back in the day, so I, I couldn't talk for Xerox now, but you know, we we went to a four four week residential training course on sales. We were doing proper role play. You know, we we were getting you know debriefed by by, you know, existing sales proper sales coaching. And then you went on to a sort of a patch where you were sort of supported and shadowed. So you weren't meant to be quota bearing you know, delivering sales in the first month or two that you're out there, and they let you build it up and and gave you some support. And there was other support for you know people to come and help you with demonstrations and stuff while you were still learning. So you you weren't expected to do everything on your own. I had a mentor within the company who was a bit more experienced than me in sales that you know would talk me through deals and some proper sales management processes. And it was still it was still a bit macho white male culture, even back then in the sort of 90s. And I'm, I'm sure Xerox had moved on from then. Um, but compared with some of the competitors, Xerox was the most forward-looking, liberal, progressive of those employers. You know, it was looking for sort of, you know, more balanced teams, more diverse teams. And they, they were pretty supportive of their staff. They didn't just sack you because you didn't make a, make a target one month.
0: And that's always going to make you feel, you know, you've got to work hard and you've got to try and always aim to hit your targets, but to, you know, to have that support and know that you're not going to get binned after, after a month or two of missing target. I think that's, you know, people coming out of the military that don't have the experience of what sales is, you know, B2B sales. That's one of the concerns, right? Like what, you know, what happens if I miss target this month or two months? What, yeah. You know,
1: A little boring, you know, a dit as we call it in, in, in the military, you know, so, uh, I was, you know, having a month where we were getting towards the end of the month and and I was going to have a blank month, which was never a thing you wanted on your record at Xerox. And this was probably month three. And I had a, you know, I'd, I'd got a, an appointment with a guy who was a printer who wanted a new copier and he was on my area. and uh, And I thought, you know, if I go down to this on my own, I'll probably blow it. So I phoned up the guy who was meant to be mentoring him and he's he said, When's the when's the appointment? I said, Well, the printer works till sort of seven o'clock. He doesn't want to see me until after seven o'clock. this guy went, Oh, sod He said, Yeah, fine, I'll do it. And he and he came along with me seven o'clock after his printer had stopped, you know, shut his business. And we took him through it. The other guy did all the work okay, I got the deal and the commission and the credit, you know, the next week on Monday morning, I'm standing up in the sales meeting and they're telling me what a good salesman I am. And, and his name was, was Foxy and Foxy had done all the work, got the deal over the line. And, you know, and from then, you know, your confidence boosted, I'd watched it in action for real. It made a huge difference to me.
0: And we'll talk later on about like what you're doing, giving back to, you know, the veteran community right now, but, I'm sure like experiences like that shaped your career as you progressed as well. Like people supporting you in that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, ab- absolutely. I think it's well. I think when you make a transition, yeah, you don't you do need support, you know. And and I know the way you you work, Ben, as well is you don't expect to just sort of put somebody out into a business without support. You want to make sure that the company they're going to are supportive and you continue to give ongoing support. You 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 definitely need that in a transition. You, that's there's no doubt about it.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. So you you did two years at Xerox, and then you went from salesperson, you've gone from Navy officer to salesperson selling copiers to owner and MD of your own company.
1: Okay. So they a lot of the younger people that's put that includes you, Ben. They took my kids, they talk about this thing called imposter syndrome. Okay. I was never, I never suffered from that. So I did two years of selling for Xerox and thought, me if these guys can, and I had a lot of respect for them, but you know, if these guys can do it, I can run my own business. So I left and I started a company called Maxim and I was a, a Xerox reseller. And then I started adding other products onto it. I started selling telecoms. Then I started doing internet. So in sort of the mid 90s, I was selling B2B websites basically for people. And eventually that business got bought. Okay. Not for my, I didn't, it wasn't like life changing. But what happened was, came to see me and said, could you build a gambling website because you're building other websites and uh, like a good salesperson, i said yes of course i could and started reading up on gambling and the company that bought my company was was in leisure which became which went on the public market and that company eventually became at the races which is now sky racing which is the horse racing betting channel so yeah that that was part of that journey
0: was it not difficult that like, transition from being a salesperson to actually running your own business? Like, did you find that there were a lot of things that were unexpected and it, you, you had to figure it out in that time period until you were acquired?
1: Yes, yes, I did. So there were the commercial stuff was difficult, accounts and stuff I didn't really understand, and I wish I'd had some of the mentoring support I, I now see given out to service levers, and I'd encourage people to get that support. But in terms of managing the salespeople and things like that, is you know I. The, the stuff i'd learned in the navy about management and those sort of you know leadership skills and all the stuff that that you know the the, the training the navy had given me way above what leadership training you would get as, as you i'm sure you agree with that ben above what you would get from a commercial organization so you know i had quite a lot of skills to add to my sales training i was like i said didn't suffer from imposter syndrome you know you know, bit too overconfident. Would probably, you know, but that's not a bad thing. And off I went, you know, and and worked it out as I went along.
0: Yeah, amazing. So, so you, see so then you 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 involved with Sky. You got at the races, like how? Because you are at the you know MD, you know, of, at, at the races. Like how did yeah. that all come about? And like what?
1: So, so, so basically, the guys who owned the race courses, okay, and it was owned by a guy called Trevor Hemmings Ultimately decided and and some good friends of mine grandpa who's now sadly passed and ian Pemos, who i'm still friendly with they they ran these race courses and they they said listen we're never going to make any money just selling people hot dogs we need to get into this online media stuff let's buy the media rights for all of racing so we the three of us basically me graham and ian Pitch the rest of UK horse racing 100 million quid if we could if we could buy all of their media rights and turn it into a TV channel and offer betting on it okay and we needed some money for that so we went to Channel Four and Sky and me and and Graham are negotiating with Channel Four and Sky for them to put th- two thirds of this in and then we had to go and raise the other money on the stock exchange okay and we listed the company and you know did all of that so I was on the board of a public company six years after leaving the Navy. I was on the main board of a public company. We, we bought those rights for £100 million. I was the first MD of, at the races. And it was all a bit crazy, really. But the, one of the bits that I do remember from my sales, sales sort of training was we're in negotiating with Sky. They've got professional media rights negotiators in there with us. And we're, you know, we're, we're opposite the table trying to do a deal with Sky. And the two, Ian and Graham had no sales or, or, you know, negotiating experience. And all of a sudden, I'm in there because I'm the only one who's actually had any negotiating experience. And the same principles that worked selling a copier to the printer, and that was in Southampton, that printer, were the same principles I applied, you know, negotiating with the professionals at Sky and Channel 4. Only a couple of years after I was selling copiers, you know, so the, you know, the training was good. The you know you have to have a bit of confidence. And like I say, imposter syndrome is not good for you if you if you want to keep going up, in my view. And I'd been given all the skills I needed.
0: It's a it's a subject that I talked to quite a few service leavers about. It's like regardless of the your career path, whether it's sales or project management or cybersecurity, how valuable is learning how to sell? Like it selling's a lot of different things, isn't it? You know, psychology, you know, negotiation. There, there are a ton of things that contribute to being a good salesperson, but how, how, how much like would you advise a sales, a a service leader to actually just go and, on- figure out how to sell to better their career, whatever they avenue
1: to go down? I, I, well, one of my sort of, you know, cliches I use internally is we're always selling all of the time in my current company. So, you know, if you, if you're a founder, you're negotiating with the first employee to come and join you, you're negotiating with the investors, you're negotiating with your customers. If you're the founder, you have to be the first person to go and do a deal. Okay. So it depends what you, what you, what your career is but even if you went up a you you were in the part of an organization you're trying to advance within that organization you've got to sell to your boss ideas and concepts you've got to encourage other people in the team to come and work with you on your project and help solve your problems you've got to sell to customers you know that everything is some sort of sales or negotiation particularly if you think about the transition from military to you know when I was a you know Back in the day, I don't know if it's still like this in the navy. It's all—it's all, it's all it seems to have got a bit soft since I left. But you know, back in the day, if you told somebody to do something and they didn't do it, you know, they—you had quite a lot of power to 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 make them do it. Obviously, that doesn't work in Sibby Street, and it certainly doesn't work in 2022. You have to coach, encourage, sell—you know—your ideas to other people and get them to to do it. So actually, coming out of the military, where you know, I could instruct somebody to do something and they had no choice really to a a situation where you had to encourage people and persuade people to do it. Getting straight into sales is a really good transitional tool and it's, it's, yeah, I use it all the time. I'm still I'm still selling today and I love it. I, I said to you before we started this, we closed a couple of deals this week, got a couple of signatures and, and I still had a huge smile on my face when it's all electronic now, digital signatures. So instead of going around and signing and walking out with a bit of paper with a signature, they have taken that away from your you, Ben. Now, it's like you get the, a little email saying all parties have now signed this contract. Okay, huge buzz still.
0: I I at Recall, you know, only five years ago, we had a few written contracts like signed on paper. It's actually, it's probably the happiest you ever. are, when you, you're yeah, you yeah, yeah. In a room with actually signing a piece of paper because then it just moved all to docu sign and and uh, that uh, is a thing of the past.
1: And what's what's gone? now, I'm being a bit. Bit, a bit old school now but the 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 best bit was when you were sort of sitting there and you had to go quiet whilst the customer was signing the piece of paper and you think you don't say anything to ruin it then they take their pen off the paper and you're you're going go and put it back on and sign now you just get an email they've ruined it ruined it for the salesperson <laughs> other than um, that that bit of bad news i can assure you the the satisfaction of getting a deal signed is still still huge
0: it's quite addictive isn't it but i suppose with the sign. Docusign- Piece. you can actually get you know a signature at 11 p.m you don't have to be in front of them you, te- you don't didn't tend to be in meetings at 11 p.m or i didn't anyway when we're getting written signatures so
1: no no i agree it's it, it can be a bit nine to five but but yeah you you, you know you, you can get still get a seat you can get a contract signed on the weekend which cheers you up as well yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so so you're you know md about
0: the races and then between you know at the races and moving into i guess tech SaaS, if you will you've had a number of roles you know chief operating officer chairman uh, md again uh, another business can you just talk me through you know briefly
1: Uh, a lot of those a lot of those have been you know founder and owner businesses so you know i you know it's uh they're not really sales related but You know, again, based on the complete lack of imposter syndrome, I started a chain of bookmakers called Better and I had 50 bookmakers in London. At the same time, I had a poker club with some guys in Chinatown where we got a casino license and we sold that to Genting Casinos, which paid a few bills. And then I I went on the board of another public company and then I left that and I started a software business. So, you know, I've, I, I, I'm not shy to try new things. You know, it's all helped in my experience. All, the one I was chief operating officer, we were selling B2B as well. So, you know, I've sold B2B tech before. And then I started this software business with some other guys, and it's called the WorkTech Group. And we sell basically HR tech, you know, to you know companies you would have heard of.
0: So you, you I mean, I know you're involved with Heropreneurs. That's how I think we, I think we originally got, you know, spoke through... Not through heropreneurs, but somebody mentioned what you do with them. So you get to meet a lot of veteran founders and advise them based on your you know all of your experiences. I know firsthand speaking to people that there are people with the potential to go out there with you know if they potentially didn't have the imposter syndrome and go and you know go and start their own businesses more than capable, driven. What like what advice would would you be giving to them as a starting point? Because Uh-oh. you've you've had so many successes.
1: I've had a few failures. I just don't put those on LinkedIn, you know. But I I think, so one, I would say Hiropaneurs is a really good organization. I'm going to do a little plug for that, if that's okay, Ben. So one of the things I love about it is it's it's completely independent advice. I am not allowed. to. I, I mentor startup, you know, or founders on their business. I tend to get the sort of tech ones, as you'd expect, and SaaS businesses. But I mentor them. I'm not allowed to invest, take any money out, get paid for it you know refer a friend you know and, and i take that seriously and one of the things i think when you are starting a business is everybody's giving you advice i'm sure you're going to recognize this ben everybody's giving you advice and support but they've all got an angle okay your heropreneurs coach or mentor um doesn't have an angle or shouldn't you know and uh, it is there to support and give you independent advice and they've they you know the ones i've met they've all been through you know They've all been through it before. They've all got a lot of value to add. So I think it's a and it's free. It's free. It's and we give our time free. And, you know, it's one of the it's one of the bits I enjoy most. Actually, you know, sort of the mentoring of the of the, of the sort of you know ex ex services you know startups.
0: And it surprises me how many veteran founded startups there are. You know, I, I didn't I didn't know coming into this. You know, I I was obviously a sales salesperson in tech, and then I moved into being. A founder if you will of, of a business and then you know from there you you open up new channels new conversations you know meet new people and then i start to see how many people get out of the forces you know get into consultancy gigs or sales gigs or whatever they do when they leave and then found a business do you do you think it's because when they first get out they don't know and then they're inspired by their experiences when they you know they've been in Civic street for one to two
1: years I, d- I don't know why the why is probably a difficult question to ask i think the the how is is based on you know that they the all they all come out with skills so i've not had anyone that i've mentored from here that i've thought you know you're out of your depth mate you shouldn't be here or or young lady you know they're all younger than me i can say that men so they're They all come out and and they constantly surprise me how how their knowledge, how hard they work, how bright they are, you know, how focused they are. And actually one of them. So, you know, so you might have heard of a company called Thursday. So, you know, they're ripping it up now as a sort of dating app. That's, you know, one of the founders there, Matt, you know, I was his hero mentor the first time i was sort of coaching him he was dressed in some sort of strange blooming military outfit in the barracks in in, in windsor or somewhere and you know and two years later he's 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 ripping it up and he said to me when when we sort of i, I we sort of, we do it for a year and then hand it over and at the end of the year he said to me listen thanks you've taught me so much i went you know what Matt? you've taught me a lot as well you you guys you know your marketing's great i've learned a lot about marketing from you so i think my point is is that you know the, these guys are coming out, and they they are actually they've got a lot of value to add. They're not amateurs. They they've got some gaps in their knowledge, which is what the the coach and the mentor should should help them fill. But they're technical knowledge gaps around uh, you know just things they haven't seen before, rather than ability and you know and and you know courage and you know and and focus and things like that. So yeah, I think the how is that they all come out with a lot of skills, and I think they they've all got a good Good shot at success if they start a business.
0: I mean, I definitely feel like I've got some gaps in my knowledge going this business. Most definitely, I don't think work ethic is is ever ever been a problem of mine. Like as you know, coming out of the military, I think you you develop that mindset, don't you? For for me, it was actually working in a startup directly with founders and just being inspired by you know the enthusiasm like the innovation the way they were thinking the way they've how fast they moved on decisions but having that experience for me and being around people who like impressed me and I, I, and I could relate to actually made me take that step or allowed me to take that step because he, I guess I built I put, maybe I didn't have the courage or the, the self-belief that I could do it without being surrounded by people you know who were doing it so it's, it's an interesting subject for me and it's something I always think you know put could you can you put people leaving the military in situations where they'd get that inspiration and go and do something that they didn't think they could do
1: yeah i think i well i suppose you know that, that, that obviously there are some people that don't have those characteristics and you know and but they probably don't want to go into sales you know mm-hmm. i think the you know the the conversation for us is that for me is that it if you have got that sort of entrepreneurial spirit and you you have got any asp- you, you know, any aspirations to be in business and you don't have the skills, like you're not coming out as a trained engineer where you're going to take those skills into some into a company. You're coming out with let's call it generalist military skills like diving, jumping out of planes, you know, you know, throwing grenades, whatever it is that people are, are doing, then actually you're coming out with your skills are your you know, your leadership and your management and your ability to problem solve. And that let's be honest, selling is solving problems for customers. That's that's what we do. And if you come out and somebody coaches you how to take those skills and you want to go into business, then sales is for me is just the, the best route through for it, you know.
0: And you just what you said there is per, was a perfect explanation. The general perception General, a lot of people, I guess, coming out of the military, hear the word sales and just think pushing products, pushing products, pushing products. They've had bad experiences with, you know, maybe somebody trying to sell them a car in the past or in a stage, and maybe I don't know, it's just different situations. And this solving problems for customers, for other businesses generally, like that's I try to get that across to people, right? That like it's like you're like a consultant slash project manager for, you know, dealing yeah. with businesses.
1: And, and I think, you know, if you, you know, we, we haven't got time to go through all the different types of sales. But, you know, if you look at a complex sale, it needs somebody that can think on their feet and, and manage all the aspects of it. You know, if I do a deal, it can take nine months in, in sort of HR tech. I probably have about seven or eight people in the company, the company we're selling to that I need to influence. I probably have four or five people in my team that support me on that. They might be sales engineers, they might be implementation managers. They're all selling. They're all part of the sales process. SDRs helping, you know, generate the leads. And then we hand it over to customer success who look after it. So, you know, it's there's one, there's a range of different types of selling that are suitable for, you know, for different types of skill sets. And two, you know, what we as a team are doing there is solving a customer problem, you know, and for, you know, it's it's material sums of money, it's solving problems. If, if the customer gets it wrong for us, you know, in our case, they might, we've got customers with 10,000 people on the platform, they get it wrong, they all get paid the wrong amount. You know, and the person who bought us in gets sacked, you know, so so it, it's they don't make that decision on a, because you tricked them into, you know, some clever little angle that you'd seen on on YouTube into quick sign here and nobody will notice. You know, it's a bit more complex than that. And you've added a lot of value. And if it's successful, that company, you you've helped them solve a huge problem.
0: You help them solve a huge problem, and you most likely get paid—you know—a good a good chunk of money as a salesperson yeah. for helping them solve that problem. So win-win, isn't it? Really, when you yeah, think and about
1: that. and what what I find is some of the different characters, and I'm generalising a bit, but you know, if you had people that are very strong engineers, they're they're good at solving like the technical problems, but quite often they 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 it's rare not not rare, but they need a bit of additional training to be able to solve maybe the wider corporate problem you know, so, you know, and that's why we have people in the team because they, you know, I I might have a, you know, solutions architect on the team where I can't solve the problems they can, but they can help me get the deal. Okay. And they're part of the sales team. So it's, you know, the the person who can control the whole team. Okay. And bring it all together and, and get the deal over the line. And if you like, take responsibility for, for closing that deal and, and, you know delivering it is valuable both to the customer and to us as a as an employer or as as the the business if you like so yeah it's it is not some you know selling b2b SaaS and tech you know there are no little tricks involved that's the quickest way to lose a deal you have to build trust the customers aren't stupid you know they can spot them in sharp angle close from a mile off and you're gone yeah, it's so true i love
0: i love the way that you put it you know you there literally is there's not really any shortcuts is there you've got to, no, you've got to be really customer centric today because it's so competitive and customers are so well educated before they even speak with you i think now you're not, yeah. not you're not going in there and teaching them you know how to suck eggs like they'll they'll have a general idea of how how to buy, you know, what type of tech's out there, Google, you know, you can find a ton of information on HR tech just by Googling it, can't you? So,
1: yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. That's a, there's a whole podcast on that one, Ben. But you're right. It, it's, you know, so the person that can, you know, and guess what? You're not going to leave the services and be controlling a team of six or seven people trying to get a deal where, you know, that you're, placing HR tech for 10,000 people that takes a bit of training and experience and, and you know knowledge base in there but the, you know if you just wanted to stay in sales those sales jobs where you can get to do that pay good money and there are people I know that they just love that they just want to be in sales they don't want to run a business they don't want to be the manager of other sales people they want to be the manager of that team that gets that deal over the line and gets the email on Saturday morning when the customer signed the docu sign. You know, whilst they have got the kids at football, you know that's that's what they want to do. And there's hey, there's there's space in the world for, the, for those people. I can assure you. And and ex service people have got as good a chance of making that role as as anybody else out there.
0: Yeah, and, and you're not you're not dropping wage really, are you? If you don't move into that management role, being an like an individual contributor, I know so many people who just want to be you know either an AE or a senior account executive. And that's they're comfortable with that, they're earning a ton of money, they you know, they're enjoying the job. They understand yeah. the customer because they've sold to the same similar types of customers all the career. So I don't yeah. see anything wrong with that either.
1: No, no, I think you know it's it's what motivates you. And I think employers now are a bit brighter now. They're not trying to force the best salesman to be the sales manager because quite often they the the two aren't, you know, the sales manager has to be a good salesperson, but they don't have to be the best salesperson, you know, they have to be the best manager of salespeople. So I think companies are better at understanding those sort of dynamics now. So you
0: see, I I I guess I've got two more questions just to finish up. What what would be then, based on your advice, what would be the point of entry for, you know, for service leavers getting out of the forces now to get into kind of new business sales roles? I mean, predominantly in tech, because that's where you are now. and, And, you know, we concentrate on tech quite a bit.
1: Okay, so my first role now they'd call it an SDR, sales development rep. You know, you're having to generate outbound leads. You know, a bit of cold calling. Now it's not cold calling so much. It's you know, it's LinkedIn email and a bit of cold calling. That's a that's a really good place to start. You know, to to learn a lot of the basic skills. Okay, but there are other roles, so customer success where. You know, you you know, it's more managing an existing customer and you know helping them solve problems, but then upselling them hopefully with with additional solutions and sales. And then we have a role in ours, implementation manager. And you and I have talked about this, and and whether we, whether we've got any gaps on that. Where you know, I think service people are probably particularly well skilled at that, and it's slightly less of a sales role. And in terms of closing, you know, revenue targets and more getting customers to over the line with a project so it's sort of a halfway between sales and project management and, and there are lots of other roles in there as well sales engineers where you probably don't have responsibility for the close but you have to be the expert on the product and encourage the customer to like that product so yeah there's a range of roles and i would say they're the sort of entry-level ones that i think would be suitable for first for service levers at the moment
0: yeah amazing so so to finish up then Going back to 1990, Ian. What advice would you give to the younger, younger Ian getting out?
1: It'd still be go to Xerox, and it, it would, it would, and it would be if you don't go to Xerox, go somewhere where you're going to get proper training. Okay, and I think that's the. I think if I'd, um, you know, would I have succeeded? Yeah, maybe I would. You know, you know, but if it, you know, the help and support that Xerox get, the proper training it's still when I explain to people that I'm an Xerox I'm Xerox trained in sales that still means something to people of, of of a certain age group you know and like back in the 70s being IBM trained in sales meant something so I, I would go to a company that's got good sales training that, su- that supports and has, and has got the ability so if you start off as an SDR has got the ability to take you up to the next level when you're good enough to go on to be an account exec or you know try different roles like customer success so I would I would I would encourage those two things training and and where there's a proper career progression where people can help you get there and that the training's ongoing as well you know we do you know we you know we we have a sort of weekly training session for our guys you know so you know we we don't give up after we've done the initial onboarding
0: i i think that's so important you know continuing that we're you know you know what we're we're we're, we're trying to achieve especially in 2023 Providing that initial training, but also ongoing training over a longer period of time to help people ramp, to support people as they as they evolve. Because you're always learning, aren't you? You never stop learning and so You know, like you're saying about the your, the, your Thursday founder, you're always learning something. So, yeah, yeah, you know, great, great advice, great advice. I I, I just personally want to thank you because you you know you left the navy in 1990, and you're giving back to the military community. And I think what you're doing with Heropreneurs. But also like your story i think inspires people to go and you know try and achieve something that maybe they didn't think they they could achieve so you've you've had you've had a great career and you're giving back you know when you don't frankly you don't need to so you know for from i guess a lot of people you've helped and and for myself like we massively appreciate it it's great
1: no we'll do it thank you for that listen i do it because i enjoy it and 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 i get more I, i get more satisfaction out of it than they do i'm sure